I'm Batman. The name's Bond. James Bond. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. There's no place like home. Cut! That's a wrap! Great job, everyone! We're waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private Doss. I always dreamed about being a doctor, but I uh, didn't get much school. I can't stay here while all them go fight for me. Don't you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. And that's going to be my way to serve. This is a personal gift from the United States government designed to bring death to the enemy. Well, I'm sorry, Sergeant. I can't touch a gun. You don't kill. No, sir. You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in war. Private Doss does not believe in violence. Do not look to him to save you on the battlefield. I don't think this is a question of religion. I think this is cowardice. I'll fall in love with you because you weren't like anyone else. You're saying you could go to prison. But I don't know how I'm going to live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. With the world so set on tearing itself apart, doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. Private Doss, you are free to run into the hellfire of battle without a single weapon to protect yourself. I'm gonna get you home. There's something you gotta see. Who did this? That's the card. We have to go back up tomorrow. And they're not gonna go up there without you. Help me. You'll have to trust me. You better come home to me. Please, Lord. Help me get one more. Help me get one more. Hacksaw Ridge is an incredible film based on the true life story of Desmond Dawes. Desmond Dawes was a follower of Jesus, a World War II medic, and a conscientious objector. He was a pacifist. He didn't believe in violence of any kind. And so it's hard to imagine that this man would run straight into one of the bloodiest battles of the Pacific Theater of World War II, armed only with his canteen and a medic bag. Facing machine gun fire and heavy artillery, he would repeatedly run straight into the kill zone alone, seeking out wounded men. He would carry them or drag them to the edge of this cliff, tie a rope to them, and then lower them to safety one at a time. 
And every time he would save a man's life, he would pray to God, Lord, give me just one more, just one more, please. In a single night, he was credited for saving 75 men. Dawes was always a very modest man, and later after the war, he said, I reckon I only saved about 50 that night, but his army buddies claimed that he saved over 100. And so the U.S. Army compromised and credited him for 75 lives saved in a single night, each single-handedly, one at a time. And what's amazing is, even though Desmond Dawes never ever carried a gun, he became our nation's only conscientious objector to win our nation's highest award, the Congressional Medal of Honor. The battle was officially known as the Battle of Okinawa, but unofficially, informally, it became known as Hacksaw Ridge. It was a single battle that lasted 82 straight days that took place on top of a 400-foot cliff. Dawes' participation lasted about two weeks, but the difference he made lasted for eternity. The film opens with a horrific series of battle scenes filled with unmatched violence, explosions, and carnage of war. But oddly placed over the top of all this, we hear the calm voice of Desmond Doss quoting the passage of scripture from Isaiah 40 that reads, The Lord is the everlasting God who gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Those who wait for the Lord shall mount up with wings like eagle, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. And then, almost without warning, the film flashes back. It goes back in time. It rewinds to Desmond's childhood, some 16 years earlier, where we see Desmond as a child. We're given a bit of the backstory about how Desmond came to his beliefs about pacifism and rejecting violence. It's the first of defining moments for Desmond Doss. Lock him with your right, Desmond. Stop it. Do you hear me? What are they fighting about? Now, when they ever need a reason. Tom, do... Oh. Why stop them? Save me whipping them both. This way I just whip the one that wins. Tom! Tom! Wake up. Can you hear me? You can't hear me. Get some eyes. You ship that basket? I got it. Is he breathing? Al? Al, you hear me? Fine, you go smother him in kisses. You tell him the world's a soft and gentle place. Al's gonna be okay.
could have killed him. Yes, you could have. Murder, it's the worst sin of all. And to take another man's life, that is the most egregious sin in the Lord's sight. Nothing hurts his heart so much. My brothers and I had some pretty good knockdown fights, but never did it go to full brick across the head. Desmond Doss almost kills his brother, and it becomes a, a defining moment for him in his life. You remember the scene where he's standing in his parents' home looking at that picture of the Ten Commandments hung on the wall and he's staring right at the Sixth Commandment. Thou shall not kill. And fear overcomes him. He's looking at the picture of Cain killing his brother Abel. And, and this begins to shape Desmond. It, it, it becomes a defining moment in his life. And we're crazy about moments, aren't we? I mean, people like you and me, we're crazy about moments. This is why we have Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram. I mean, we don't think a moment's a moment unless we can capture that moment and put it up for everybody to see in the world, right? We don't think it's a moment unless we have enough time to record it and get it out to the world. We wanna, we wanna capture these moments. Moments are really, really important to us. And so we see Desmond Dawes staring at this picture and it becomes a defining moment for him, a defining moment with God, a moment that changes who he is. It's, it's the moment he, he comes to believe in something. Friends, let me tell you, there are all kinds of great moments that we can experience in life, but there are these moments that are greater than others. There's a great moment that's greater than all the others. It's the moment that changes you. It's the moment that changes everything about your perspective. It's the moment that changes your history. It's the moment that changes your future. It's the moment that changes your eternity. It's the moment that you come to believe in something. And I mean really believe it. I don't know if you believe in much. I don't know if you really believe in anything. I mean really believe in it. But until you have a moment like, like Desmond did where everything comes crashing in, until you have a moment where you're standing in front of some doctor and he gives you the news that unless you change a few things, you're going to die. Unless you had this moment where you're like in this accident and you should have been dead, but you're not dead and you can't even explain it. Or, or maybe like Desmond, where stuff just kind of spun out of control for you and you lost your, you, you, you lost yourself for a moment and you went where you never wanted to go and it ended up the way you never wanted to end up. But until you have a moment like that, friends, most of the time for most people, little changes. Nothing really changes until we have these defining moments in our life. Desmond Dawes has this defining moment with God. And let me tell you something. You may not believe this. You may think I'm just being a little bit crazy. But you need a moment like this. You need a moment with God where you decide what you're going to do with him. What you're really going to believe about him. We need this. One moment with Jesus can transform your life. It can change everything. It can change your future. It can change your past. It can change your relationships. Listen, there are all kinds of great moments. I mean, you can sit at the end of your life and you can get the scrapbook out and go, oh, I remember when we did this with the kids and I can remember we, when we went to the lake or the beach or I remember when we bought the camper. I mean, there are all kinds of great moments and those moments are really important. But in the light of eternity, they're not as great as the moment that you need to have with Jesus. There needs to be this moment where, where you deal with the blackness of soul because if you're like me at all, uh, there's, a, there's a hollow spot inside of you. There's a brokenness inside of you. 
uh, there is this space in you that you try to fill and you look for all kinds of ways to fill it, but you're still empty. You're still broken. And if you could fix it, you would have fixed it, but you can't fix it. Friends, there's this space in you that needs to connect with your creator, your father in heaven through Jesus. And friends, I'm hopeful that you will take, take some time to get serious about this moment with him, that you'll think about this and, and even pray about it. Because the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of God, whoever calls on the name of Jesus, God will come running to you. You will be saved. He will meet you when you move toward him. He'll, he'll connect with you if, you if you purpose in your heart to connect toward him. So Desmond has this kind of moment and it changes who he is. His life is changed forever. His faith becomes a defining thing about who he is and he realizes what he needs to do with his life. He knows God is calling him to something, something really, really big. Mama said, come see you here. These three were my best friends. I grew up with them. I got into trouble with them, chased girls with them. I enlisted with them. Now my friends are there, covered in dirt and grass and eaten by worms. I don't want to have to visit my sons here. Daddy, I, I signed up already. Couldn't do otherwise, Pop. Everybody else is, is doing it. Everybody else. You know, and soldiers who live, they live because they can do that. You can't. Like, you got to sit and think and pray about everything. I mean, look at you. You're doing it right now. You won't be able to live with yourself if you go. No, I won't be able to live with myself if I don't. I'm going to be a medic. That's going to be my way to serve. See, there you go, thinking it all out. But you figure this war is just going to fit in with you? Your ideas? Well, I know, I don't doubt it's going to be hard. It won't be hard, it'll be impossible. You know, whatever beliefs you have and your crazy head now, they won't ever play out. It don't work that way. And if by some, I don't know, miracle chance you survive, you won't be given no thanks to God. Desmond Dawes has this thing that seems to be missing in our world. It's called personal conviction. He knows what he believes. It, it shapes his core. It's who he is, and he's not willing to compromise it. He, he's not arrogant. He's not brash about it. He's not demanding of others. He's just, he's just humble. He, he humbly knows what he believes, and he's just not going to compromise it. You know, Jesus says something about our faith, the kind of faith that we're supposed to have. He, he says that our faith is deeply personal, but it's not private. Uh, that we're supposed to let our light shine, that our faith is supposed to inform our actions. Our faith is supposed to determine who we are out in the world. And the way the world sees us is shaped by our relationship with God. As a matter of fact, Jesus says it this way. In the book of Matthew that records his life, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it 
on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Your faith is not private. It's personal, but it's not private. Jesus says that your faith should shape you. Your faith should seep into the deeds of your life. Uh, you should want to glorify God with your life. Your life ought to matter in the kingdom of God. It really should. Let me tell you something that you probably already know. When you come to believe something, and I mean really believe it, and you start to live that out, you start to move toward that, people will come against you. The enemy of God will come against you. Persecution will come your way. Difficulty will come your way. Struggle will come your way because anything that is good, anything that is right, anything that seems to be a matter of firm conviction, there seems to be the opposite also true, that there is this force, there is this constant onslaught against what you believe. And so if, if there is this thing called personal conviction, then there is this thing called personal persecution. It's true, Desmond Doss finds this out when he starts to stand up for what he believes, when he starts to humbly, humbly, when he starts to show what he believes, everybody, and I mean everybody, turns against him. No one seems to understand what is at the root of his belief. No one seems to understand why he will not carry a gun into battle. One of the scenes we see in this movie is is where Desmond's father, who is this World War I vet, he's a, he's a drunk, he's got PTSD, uh, he's just a mess as a human being, and he's a broken man, and, and he often beats his children, uh, but he also beats his wife, and there's a scene where Desmond's father is beating his wife, Desmond's mother, and Desmond had enough, and he, and he stands up to his father, and he, he kind of fights his father, and he takes the gun away from his father. His father was going to kill his mother and Desmond takes this gun, wrestles it away from his father and he, and he puts the gun to his father's head and he almost kills his father. It becomes a moment right there that again it shapes him. It's one of those defining moments for him and it's right then and there that he realizes that he never wants to touch a gun again. That it made him almost do what he never wanted to do. He almost became something that he never wanted to become. And, and so Desmond starts to stand up for this belief about pacifism. He, he, he wants to serve. He wants to fight for his country. He just doesn't want to carry a gun. And nobody seems to understand. And this brings a wave of persecution that's crazy. They harass him. They mock him. They beat him. And they want him out of the army. Gentlemen, I want you to meet Private Desmond Doss. Apparently, Private Doss does not believe in violence. He does not practice violence. He will not even deign to touch a weapon. You see, Private Doss is a conscientious objector. So I plead with you, do not look to him to save you on the battlefield, because he will undoubtedly be too busy wrestling with his conscience to assist. Sarge, that's not Private, true, Sarge. as you were. Now, I realize some of you might have strong feelings about this. It is what we men fight for, to defend our rights, and to protect our women and children. Even if Private Doss's beliefs might cause women and children to die. 
So I will expect everyone in this company to give Private Doss the full measure of respect he is due for the short time he will be with us. Am I clear? Yes, Sergeant! What you got here, Desi? You know what that is? It just seems kind of small. <laughs> it's half the Bible for half the man. For Pete's sake, Smitty, give him back his Bible. I don't remember speaking to you. It's how come you don't fight? You think you're better than us? No. But what if he was attacked? <laughs> Whoa! Say it like that. Bible says to turn the other cheek, don't it? See, I don't think this is a question of religion, fellas. I think this is cowardice. Dosh, your area is a disgrace. It's a pig star! What you men fail to recognize is a unit is no better than its weakest member. Now, to help you learn that lesson, there will be no passes this weekend. You will all be on KP. Right now, everybody in full gear for a 20-mile hike. Let's go! Let's go! Get your hands right! Don't start feeling sorry for yourself! It makes me sick to see you feel sorry for yourself. You dogs don't know what tired is. We're gonna keep going till I drop. Try to sleep in. Get off me. Okay, get off There is no doubt that Desmond Dawes had personal conviction and it led to persecution in his life. They thought he was weak. They thought he was a coward. And so they harassed him and they beat him, but it, it just wasn't true at all. He had conviction in his, in his soul and he knew what he believed and he wasn't willing to compromise it. And the scripture says this about your faith and my faith as well, that we ought not to compromise it. We need to figure out what we believe and we need to stand up for, for it no matter what comes our way. No matter the pressures, no matter the tidal wave of life that comes against us, our life ought to be rooted in a personal conviction. As a matter of fact, the scripture says it like this. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. I don't know what you believe, but whatever it is that you believe, you have to have some tenacity to you. You have to have uh, this measure of grit to your faith. You, ha you have to have this passion that actually stirs you to action, that, that stirs you and motivates you to do good deeds, to do something. It, of course, respectful. Of course, never beating our faith over somebody else's head. But at some point, we need to stand up for what we believe in. We have to have guts like Desmond had guts. And we have to be willing to stand up against the persecution that is going to come your way. And friends, I'm telling you, it will come your way. And so the scripture teaches us to never lack in zeal. In other words, have some fire in you. Care about your faith. 
Make sure that it rises to the surface of your life. Make sure that it directs who you are, that it motivates you. Uh, can I just say it openly and honestly? There are so many among us that hang this thing called faith, like a, like a necklace that we wear, like, like it's just a label that we have, that we're a Christian, but it, but it does very little to do anything in us or to cause anything in us or to change anything in us. And it, and it causes us to do very little in this world for the kingdom of God. Friends, we have to change that. It says, never be lacking in zeal for your faith. Do something with your faith. I think one of the most incredible scenes in this entire movie, I mean, even more than all the crazy battle scenes and all that, there is this scene in the courtroom where where Desmond Dawes is about ready to be court-martialed, where, where he's about ready to be sent to prison, and he gives an explanation for why he believes what he believes. Check this out. There is only one question that any military court need ask of the accused. Do you deny disobeying Colonel Sangston's direct orders? Well, do you, Private? No, sir, I don't. Why are you contesting it, then? Why is it so important to you, given your refusal to even touch a weapon, to serve in a combat unit? Because when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, I took it personal. Everyone I knew was on fire to join up, including me. There were two men in my hometown. Declared 4F unfit, they killed themselves because they couldn't serve. I had a job in a defense plant. I could have taken a deferment, but that ain't right. It isn't right that other men should fight and die, that I would just be sitting at home safe. I need to serve. I got the energy and the passion to serve as a medic. Right in the middle with the other guys. No less danger, just... While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. With the world so set on tearing itself apart, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. Hmm. Sorry, sir. Nobody's allowed to No, go you on. don't understand. My son is the defendant. I understand, sir, but nobody's allowed to I have information that's important. While the sentiments expressed are laudable, the facts of the charge seem incontestable, so... Let him go. That's a Greek war uniform. It is, sir. Sir, I need to show you this. With respect, sir, you are no longer a member of the military. You are unable to attend this hearing. I'm sorry. Is that truly the way it works, sir? You fight for your country, you lose so much that was dear to you, and then you're done with? The uniform's forgotten. You have no voice. You were at least. I was, sir, Annabella Wood. Twice decorated, I see. Yes, sir. I take it you are the private's father? I am, sir. Thomas Doss. Then, as a former military man, you know there are laws here. Sir, I know the law, and I know my son is protected by those laws. They're framed in our Constitution. And I believe in them as he does. They're why I went and fought to protect them. Thank you, Corporal Doss. Let me have the letter. 
must go. The defendant's rights as a conscientious objector are protected by an act of Congress, and he cannot be compelled to waive those rights. That includes, in this case, his disobeying orders to bear arms. Signed, Brigadier General Musgrove, War Services Commander, Washington, D.C. Colonel. I withdraw the charges, sir. Then this case is dismissed. Private Doss, you are free to run into the hellfire of battle without a single weapon to protect yourself. You may resume your duties and begin training as a combat medic. Unfortunately, far too many of us sit idly by and we don't want to get involved. Unfortunately, far too many of us literally want somebody else to do the work of the kingdom of God. Instead of taking a bold stand, we're, we're lazy with our faith. We're, we're, we're comfortable with our faith. But this was never the heart of God, ever. As a matter of fact, there's a story that comes out of the life of Jesus. It says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on, on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, to his followers, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Today, in our world, the harvest is plentiful. It really is. Our world is broken. It is, it is torn apart. It doesn't take much to look around and to figure out that something needs to be done to change our world. Matter of fact, something needs to be done to change your neighborhood, even your, your family. I mean, even look at a church like ours, it doesn't take much to look around and to figure out that there's a whole bunch of work to be done. And there's a whole bunch of people here. And yet, very few people get into the game, get into the field like Jesus said. Jesus wanted us to do something. And friends, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done or you know, what you're about in your life, I, I, my prayer for you is that you will get in the game and that you will make a difference in this world. Desmond Dawes looked around and he said, the world is so bent on tearing itself apart. He says, I figure out this Put it back together. Somebody's got to be fixing it back up. That ought to be you and me. It really ought to be. So Desmond has this personal conviction and it leads to this thing called personal persecution. But it takes this other thing to really live out our faith. It's called perseverance. There has to be this stick-to-itiveness inside of us. There has to be this longing to see it through inside of us. There has to be this fight deep inside of us because it's never easy. It's never simple. Everything in us is going to want to compromise. Everything in us is going to want to take the comfortable route. But we're going to learn that it takes perseverance. I know that in my own walk, in my own faith, Every time I want to give up, every time I want to shrink back, every time I want to think it's too hard and the sacrifice is too big, that it's just easier to go back to making the almighty dollar and not care about the things of the kingdom of God. Every time I think that, I'm reminded of, of what the scriptures teach us. Paul, this, this church father, this pastor, is teaching one of his young uh, persons that he's mentoring, a guy named Timothy, and he's teaching them him about the faith and what it takes to make your faith work in this world. And this is what he says to Timothy. 
You should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry on the ministry God has given to you. Fully carry on the work that God has given to you. So when you face opposition, he says, be clear-minded about it. Know that it's coming. Be ready for it. But you carry on. Make sure you keep going. He says, perseverance matters. When persecution comes, perseverance matters. It will carry you through. He says, let your light shine before men. So let your light shine. Let the world see what you believe. It says, cling to what is good. Hate what is evil. So hate it. Hate what's evil and do something about it. Change the evil even in your own heart. He, he says your love must be sincere. It must be genuine. Uh, he wants us to grow in our faith, to move forward in our faith, take next steps in our faith. And it requires this thing called perseverance. It really does matter. And so I don't know what God has called you to, but whatever it is, run after it, go after it, engage in the fight. God could have called you to be a teacher, then teach with all of your heart. Remember to do the good that God has called you, to carry on with the ministry that God has called you. If he's called you to, to work at Ford, then be the best Ford worker there is. If God has called you to be a doctor or a nurse, then you heal with great compassion. You do that to honor God. You, you do it because it is what God has called you to do. And in the life of the local church, if God has called you to work with teenagers, then do it with all the passion that you have. Do it with excellence. If God has called you to create video, then you do that with excellence. You do that with all the passion you have. And when it gets tough, you do an even better job. You go for it even more. If God has called you to do music or production or crazy, crazy, if God has called you to work with the third graders at Metro Kids, then do it with excellence. Do it with passion. And right now, there's, there's God who is, who is calling you to do something, and many of you have not answered that call. To me, that's crazy. Why would you not want to get into the game that God has called you to? He says to Timothy, Timothy, God has called you to something. Now go do it. Carry on the fight. Make sure you don't give up. Make sure you don't compromise. Make sure you don't just get lazy and comfortable and just sit night after night watching TV thinking your life is fulfilled. He says, no, 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 no. It takes something more. And so Desmond, he, he has this personal conviction and it leads to persecution but he has this persistence about him right that he doesn't give up that he that he wants to stay in the fight he wants to carry on with the ministry that God has given to him and so the whole second half of the film deals with Dawes's unit being being assigned to the Battle of Okinawa and uh, it shows this incredible resistance, far more than the U.S. troops ever anticipated. And, and the battle was costly and the carnage was everywhere. And so Dawes, he begins to answer the call of God in his life as a medic. This becomes the second bloodiest battle of all of World War II and one of the bloodiest battles in human history. And it's here where Dawes proves his character, working tirelessly as a medic to help the fallen soldiers. At one point, the order is given to retreat and to clear the top of the ridge, even though there were countless wounded still on top. Dawes knew that these men would die, and he knew that the Japanese would go from man to man, making sure that they were dead. And Dawes knew that God had called him to this moment. When American forces start to withdraw, Dawes disobeys the orders to clear the ridge and stays behind and works through the night, finding wounded soldier after wounded soldier, carrying each one of them to the edge of the cliff and then lowering them one at a time down on a rope to safety. 
I'm scared. I'm scared. Let's go help the pain. No, don't, don't, don't you do that. Come on. Come on, Smitty, you stay with me. Let's go, we gotta move. Come on.
I'd like to ask you, what is it that God's calling you to do? What do you really believe in? Do you, do you really believe in this thing called the faith, the Christian faith? Do, do you really want to follow Jesus? And I don't know that you do, but if you do, God's calling you to do something with it. The scripture says it like this. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then it says this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I don't know what the good news that you're supposed to bring into this world, but you're supposed to bring good news. God's called you to this. God has not called us to sit idly by and let somebody else do it. When the world is being torn apart, we need to be the ones to put it back together. As a matter of fact, here's what it says in the scripture when Isaiah starts to hear this call from God. He says this, I hear the voice of God saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? 
And I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, God, send me. Isaiah answers this call saying, God, I'm available to you. God, it's the only reasonable response. When we come to know Christ, when we we receive the grace of God, we wanna be grace givers to the world around us. We wanna give it to other people. It's who God wants us to become. So where is God nudging you? What what, what is he prompting you toward? Uh, I love the very end of this movie. After that first night, Dawes eventually makes his way down and they figured out that he's the hero, that he's the one who saves all of these men. As a matter of fact, there's this scene where uh, the, the leaders, the commanders are going, wow, where are all these guys coming from? And they figure out that it's Dawes, right? And, and so the next day, uh, Dawes and all of his men receive news from headquarters that, that they got to go back up to the top of the ridge and they have to finish taking the ridge that the battle wasn't over. And I tell you, these men were scared and they had every right to be scared. But it was really incredible what happened in this, in this movie and it's true to life is, is that these men were so afraid but they were willing to go but they were not willing to go without Dawes. And here's the thing. Dawes was a Seventh-day Adventist. He was a Christian who believed that the Sabbath was Saturday and that he should not work on the Sabbath. And he told them that he was not gonna fight or he was not gonna be a medic or anything on the Sabbath. And they really believed that he was not gonna do it. And what's funny is that none of these men wanted to go back into battle without him. Why? Because they didn't believe in what Dawes believed in, but they believed in Dawes. And they believed that he believed it, right? And they wanted him in the middle of their fight because they believed that God had a special call on him. And so there's this scene at the end when all these men are ordered back to the top of the ridge and they just stood there. They weren't going anywhere. And then it shows the commander, he goes to Dawes and he says, Dawes, we need you to fight with us. And I know that the Sabbath is your day and I know Saturday's the day that you worship God, but these men need you. And Dawes goes and says, yeah, I'll go with you. But first I gotta be with God. And there's this scene where all of these men are getting ready to take the ridge. And Dawes is off there and all the men are watching him and he's praying and he's reading the Bible and he's just spending his time with God. And then he turns when he's done and he looks at the men and says, now we're ready. And and it was like these men understood that, that Dawes had something that they didn't have. It was like they realized that there's a power when you stand for your convictions. There's a power when when you stand under persecution. There's a power that comes through perseverance. And friends, my hope is, is that one day you will know that power if you stand, if you believe, and if you do something with your belief and you're faithful to those beliefs, that God will meet you when you risk much. He'll meet you, he'll give you power.